Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, good morning. It's a beautiful sunny day out of my studios in Fort Collins, I'll tell you what. But uh, there's been some cool weather in the mountains, and the nights are cool. Ice fishing is just just going to take off. We've got a lot of condition reports during the course of the day. We're going to have a lot of different people taking us to different areas, getting you caught up. We're going to talk a lot of ice fishing today. We're also going to uh, we're also going to talk some waterfall hunting in the second hour. The waterfall hunting has been on fire in Colorado. Record numbers of geese. The ducks are good. A lot of ducks, but they're spread out and. Uh, Probably need a freeze to kind of gather them up. We'll talk about them some more, too. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk to the folks at Colorado Clays later on about competitive shooting, if you ever wanted to do some competitive shooting. So we got a lot to cover today. During the course of the last few weeks, as we do every, every year at this time, we get some of the best ice fishermen in the world to join us on this show. We've had uh, Steve Panaz, the host of Lake Commandos, and uh, a national ice fishing champion, Dave Gentz, the father of modern-day ice fishing, Bro Brosdahl, one of the most accomplished ice fishermen. All these people have been on the show over the last few weeks, and now we're joined by another one of the all-time greats in ice fishing. He's, a, he's, an, outdoor, he's an award-winning outdoor writer. He is a legendary guide nominated for the Minnesota Fishing Hall of Fame and one of the pioneers of modern-day ice fishing, Greg Clajo. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Terry. Hey, it's... Uh, I know you've been out on the ice already up in Minnesota. In fact, you sent me some pictures of some walleyes you caught just yesterday. Yeah, and uh, it always amazes me. The little lakes around here, they're just, be, you know, they're just starting to get good enough to walk on, but they're sketchy. So I drive up north, 100 and some miles to Upper Red Lake, one of the largest lakes in Minnesota, and that thing's iced over, and there's people out there with wheelers and we had six and a half, seven inches of ice out there, and it was safe. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's because it's so shallow. You and I have fished that lake together many times, and it's shallow. And uh, there's a lot of things that go into why ice forms. We won't spend a lot of time on that today, but this time of the year, you really have to pick your spots, be safe, check the ice, and be careful. You know, one of the things I first wanted to start out with you, Greg, was that uh, – you and I, we've been fishing together for, I'm not going to tell people how many years because it'll sound like we're 150 years old, but <laughs> we've, been, we've been doing it a long time together. And where we've come from, you and I were so fortunate to be involved in what's known as the revolution of ice fishing and modern day ice fishing. But think of how it's changed. Go back to simple things like making a hole in the ice, how different that is now. Oh, it is. And you know, we, we spent a lot of time up north, northern Minnesota, like Big Bear Lake, and we never had an auger. We went out there with an axe, or and very rarely we had a chisel, you know. And yeah. we, never had, we never had shelters or electronics or none of that. It's, I'm, I'm still amazed that we even caught fish. Well, and some of our fishing rods were those poles that you had, a, like, an ice pick on them. You stuck it in the ice. And then you had two little pegs with a line wrapped on it that you would hand feed it down and then hand feed it back up. And I remember one time, though, you and I were doing that. We had crappies. We were putting little minnows down. 
and they were coming up in the hole faster than we could get the minnow through the ice. It was just, <laughs> but it was just amazing. But boy, if 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 we wanted to move, you know, back then, if 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 the fish weren't biting, we just said they weren't biting, and we pretty much sat there because it was so hard to make a hole. You were colder than heck. You had all the stuff you had to try to haul around to the next hole. And so there was no mobility, and they, they were either biting or they weren't. And, of course, that was the same with the large shelters you'd see up Minnesota that you and I both fished out of that are pulled by trucks and permanently put in place, was you were comfortable in those, unlike when you and I sitting on the lake with didn't have good clothing, didn't have shelters. Uh, but they a lot of times are not in the right spot, and you don't catch fish, and you're just stuck there. Things have really changed, haven't they? Oh, they have. You know, you become complacent and you're just, you're anchored down. And, you know, like when it's tough to move and it's cold out, you don't want to move. So you stay right there and kind of suffer, you know. But nowadays the, the shelters are, you fold them up and you're off and running in 30 seconds. And it's so easy with the electronics and uh, a wide variety of drills, you know, augers and electric drills, gas augers. They're all, there's so much out there right now that it's actually easy. Let's let's talk about a couple of things. By the way, the change in portable shelters really started with uh, Dave Gantz, who was on a couple of weeks ago. And by, today is Dave's birthday. So let's, I want to do a shout out to Dave Gantz, his birthday. But he kind of almost, well, he didn't drag us along kicking and screaming because we were excited to have a shelter. But all of a sudden, our ice fishing times changed, didn't they? Oh, they did. It became a lot easier. And, you know, and I had... Dave gave me, I, I couldn't afford a shelter back then. He gave, he gave me a portable. He gave me a lot of them throughout the years. But he gave me a fish trap, and uh, pretty soon people were noticing that fish trap here and there. And then when I got my hands on the Vexlar, it was all over. I mean, it was then we were off and running. Well, and, and people, when we talk about the electronics, before we started using electronics, not only didn't we know whether or not there were fish there and they just weren't biting, but we didn't know if they were even reacting or, or, or what depth they were at. And people think that the electronics just told us maybe the depth and if there was a fish around, and they certainly did that, and that was a huge thing. But they were a mood indicator, too. They changed our presentations. We were actually seeing the fish respond to our presentation on the electronics that was just world changing. It was. It was a real eye opener. And then a lot of times, you know, back in the day, you'd say, "Well, they're getting crappies up on such and such lake, and how deep are they? Well, they're three arm lengths down." Well, you know, if uh, Kevin McHale, for example, seven feet tall, told me he's getting them at three arm lengths, and I did it, I'd only be down here about fifteen feet. He'd yeah. be down twenty. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it really has changed. And, you know, I mentioned it early, too, uh, the the rods we fished with. Think what we've come with those. You know, we had those picks that went in the ice, and then we started taking our, our rods that we used in the open water that were broken and cutting them down and making ice fishing rods out of them. And that started a whole industry till now. You can get some pretty nice ice rods without spending an arm and a leg. I mean, you don't have to break the bank to get nice ice fishing rods. Yeah, there there is so much out there, Terry, that it's, like I said, it's actually easy. People come to me and ask, 
what should I get? I said, just go in there. If you find a rod that just feels good to you, get it, you know, and just I give them the, the basics, you know, look for a fine tip on it, you know, sensitive and this and that, depending on species. But there's so much out there. It's just incredible. Even the reels, you can get a really good reel for not all that much money. Oh, absolutely right. And it's just, it, there's so many things that have been tailored to the ice fishing world. I think, Nothing has changed more probably than the electronics. I mean, I still have some of the original style Vexlars, and I still fish with them, and I have some graph styles, and I have about four rigs set up for ice fishing that I rotate around to just play around with and stuff. But I haven't stepped up to the new Panoptics or the new Humminbird 360. I know you've done some of that. Tell us about that. Well, that was an eye-opener again for me a couple of years ago. I saw somebody. I was on a guide trip, actually, up north, and we were getting fished, but not as fast as these young guys using the live scope, the pan optics. It was, I told them, feel free if you want to fish by us. You know, I, we didn't care. It was a big area. So they come over there, and they're saying, 75 feet that way. And I was watching them. They drill, pulling these big crappies out one after another. I thought, holy cow. So it didn't take long before I had I was the owner of one of those. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. And on that being said, you can still get started ice fishing pretty basically. You don't have to spend a lot of money. You need a way to make a hole. And up in Colorado, you don't always need that because a lot of our lakes, people move around, and you can go fish a hole that's been left open. You could use your summer rod and reel, though it's not ideal. But if you invest a few dollars in a rod and reel, a few lures, a few jigs, especially with the trout we have here that tend to cruise around, you can uh, you can have be fairly successful. And I know we're going to have a lot of new a new ice a lot of new ice anglers this year, just like we have had in every outdoor activity this year, where we've had you know people because of COVID they're not taking trips they're not doing things they're getting outdoors. And I, I, we're already seeing a lot of new ice anglers with pent up demand to get out there. But I think, we're, you know, they just don't know what to buy. You know, they see millions of jigs and hundreds of spoons, and they see all the electronics and the rods. And you can start pretty basic. Let's start to take uh, some lure presentations. You were catching walleyes yesterday. What were you using? Well, uh, my brother Joel was with me, and he was using a, a little jigging spoon by Northland. It's a, what's a buckshot rattle spoon little gold one and i was i started off using a just a big a big jig with a minnow on it a glow jig and uh, i lost the fish right away but that was it i just wasn't getting anything and i'm always a little antsy so then i grabbed uh, northland tackle came out with it this year it's a rattling puppet minnow now, it just looked good to me the angler and i thought well the fish ought to hit this but even though they were fussy i put that down there and i started jigging it you know not real hard just subtle little lips and drops and before i knew it i had a 19 inch walleye on there well then shortly after that there was another walleye on there so that was kind of a that kind of saved the day for joe and i well and talking about the puppet minnow the glide baits have just taken over they used to be a the with the jigging wrap was one of the originals and it was very well known among the ice anglers we all used them but they weren't very common in open water over the last decade they have just taken off in open water, and almost every manufacturer makes one now. The Berkeley makes the Johnny Darter. There's, of course, the original jigging wrap. There's 
there's the um the shiver minnow there's the one you talked about the puppet minnow uh they're just an effective effective bait when you fish that bait do you tip it much or do you just use it the way it is you know most people tip it you know when you're in summer rot you know like you said it's becoming more and more people are using them in the open water and then they're just there's they're not tipping it. They're drop, dropping that, casting it out there in 30 feet and ripping it up, you know, pretty aggressive. But uh, I never tipped mine yesterday. Most ice fishermen tip it, like, with a minnow head, that middle middle hook on it. And I just dropped it down there just to see how it would, how the fish would react to it, and uh, it worked well. But you get up there in uh, Lake of the Woods and people using those, they're almost all tipping it. I think winter time yeah, you tip it more than you do in the summer, for sure. Yeah, and I tip occasionally, but I usually use a little gulp. Gulp makes a minnow head now. I don't carry a lot of live bait with me. And you talked about the jigging spoon from Northland. I um, I go to the, the minnow bait like you talked about quite a bit, but I always start with two baits on, even, if, even though I have my electronics. And this is a great tip for people who don't have electronics. A lot of times working a spoon will draw a fish in, but they won't hit it. So I'll have a passive presentation like a, a small ice jig next to it with maybe some, if I have live bait, it would be maggots or spikes or wax worms, or I may just probably have a piece of small gulp on that. And then next to it, I'll have like that. Did they you know, lose me? I don't know what happened there. I think I got cut off. You there, Greg? Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm on the line. Dylan, am I on? I lost you for a second. Oh, there you are, Greg. So, yeah, my phone cut off. I don't know what happened. I'm broadcasting remotely. But anyway, I use a spoon, as I was saying, or I use a... Uh, a Northland spoon or a Swedish pimple, which used to be common, and I'll jig in, and a lot of times I'll see the fish come in on my electronics. Sometimes they'll hit that spoon, especially if I change the cadence, but a lot of times it draws them in, they won't hit, but they'll go over and hit that more passive presentation. You do things like that? You know, I do a lot. You know, in Minnesota, we're allowed two lines, and if I'm walleye fishing, and I didn't do it yesterday, I was sharing a fish house with Joel, and we each had one hole that we were using. Did you? Oh, you're still there. I thought I lost you. And, I'm uh, here. But what I what I normally do, I'll set up a dead stick with a live minnow, and where I can easily reach it. If if I'm in the house by myself, it'll be in there. But if I'm with somebody and it's not too windy, I'll set it outside where I could run to it in you know, ten seconds or so. But I'll put a, a dead stick with a minnow on one and let that sit. And then I'll be jigging something else. I'll be using the active bait myself. Yeah, and that's what I tend to do quite a bit too. I was going to talk augers with you, but we're almost out of time. But let's take just a minute more. If you were, um, right now you go out and make a hole. I know you've been experimenting with a lot of augers, both gas, propane, and electric. What are you planning on using this year? You know, I'm such so old school. I got a couple of the old strike master are the clam solo augers and they're still working great uh, eight inch and a 10 inch and but i've been looking forward i might pick up the 40 volt electric you know and i've used lighter ones 
you know, like the K drill at first ice that's so light and it cuts fast and everything. But I used that for a couple of years. That was good. But I'm just looking at something a little little bigger and more industrial sized for for three feet of ice and stuff like that. Yeah, when and you face turning, a lot of turning an eight inch hole, you know. Yeah, you turn you tend to end up fishing a lot deeper than we do. I mean, a lot of times up here on some of our mountain lakes, we may get that. But a lot of times we're only fishing from six inches to a foot, maybe a foot and a half of ice. Uh, so we can get by with a lighter one. But I, I'm looking at the electrics. I think they might be the way to go. Uh, no worries about keeping fuel with you. And they always start, I guess, as long as the battery's charged. My friend, yeah, it, we need to go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you need you should have an extra battery in this neck of the woods because it gets cold and you're, you know, if you run dead on one, you can slip that other one in there and keep it in your jacket pocket. Yep. I, um, we are out of time, my friend, but the, we got to get past this COVID and you and I have to get back on the water or ice together soon. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, but it's been, I think it's last year and we've never gone that long without fishing. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all the sharing all the information and the history of ice fishing with us. As always, great to have you on. Yep, thank you, Terry. Have a good one. You bet. Greg Claggio, a pioneer of modern-day ice fishing. I tell you, he's one of the best instinctive year-round anglers I've ever fished with. Probably the man I have spent more hours on the water with than anyone else in the world. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to take you up to State Forest State Park on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. I'll tell you what, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for that outdoor enthusiast in your family, stop by a Jack's store near you. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from State Park, State Forest State Park, is Alina Schaefer. Good morning, Alina. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for patiently waiting. I know you were on a little earlier, and uh, we, we kind of ran long last time, but I, I, I have trouble not talking to Greg. He's an old fishing buddy and such a knowledgeable angler, but I want to talk to you about State Forest State Park. You know, before we get into it, tell people where State Forest State Park is located and kind of describe the park. So it's about 20 miles outside of Walden, Colorado, and we have 71,000 acres for everyone to roam and find something that they love to do within the park, whether it's fishing, hiking, um, riding snowmobiles in the winter, or cross-country skiing is coming up when we get enough snow. So everyone can find something up here at State Forest State Park. We're going to talk a little bit about all those activities, but before we do, you have a special thing that comes up every year, and I believe it's coming up December 5th and 12th this year. Tell us about that. So it sure is. We call it our Merry Moosemith tree cutting. So you can come up and get a tree cutting permit for your Christmas tree for $5, and you can get up to five trees, and we will send you out into a certain area of the park, and you can cut down your own Christmas tree. You just need to bring your own equipment. And that's on the 5th and the 12th or any particular hours. They have to go to the visitor center first, right? That's correct. If you can stop in between 9 and 3 o'clock for your permit, that way um, you'll have your tree cut hopefully by 4 o'clock or so. Um, Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Moose Christmas because you guys are 
well, first of all, your state park's one of my favorite areas to go. I was just up there last week, and the wildlife viewing up there is phenomenal, and it's just it's just known for the moose, aren't they? We are known for our moose. So Walden, the town, is the moose viewing capital of the state. And you just, I've seen moose, uh, I don't know how many different occasions when I've been up there. I will tell people, please don't approach a moose if you see it. Moose may be the most dangerous animal in Colorado, but they're also one of the most majestic. So make sure you uh, view them from a distance. And it's not a good idea to have a dog with you in moose country. We'll leave that at that. But let's talk about some of the other amenities you have up there. First of all, people are going to want to know the condition of the park. You were surrounded by tragic wildfires. What happened within the park? So we were very lucky this year. None of the fires came into the park. However, some of the park was shut down because they were so close this year. So it's been a unique year for us. And But I did drive up there, and I was so pleased to see that the park was intact. Now, you mentioned camping before. You've got camping, cabin, and yurts. Are those things open year-round? Tell us about the amenities that will be. You know, more and more people are getting outdoors in the winter now. They don't stay in. And I think with COVID, we're going to see even more of that. What do you have available if I want to come and spend the night in the winter? Well, we have six cabins on park, and then we have multiple yurts that you can book through Never Summer Nordic. And that way you can come up and cut your Christmas tree down and spend a weekend in a cabin and spend time hiking or whatever you find you want to do in the park. And you do keep a few campsites open, too, I believe, through the winter. Is that right? That's right. We have about three winter campsites if you want to bring your camper or tent, if you're into that. All right. And then you mentioned the snowmobiling trails. You have how many how many miles of trails do you have up there? We have over 80 miles of just motorized trails for OHVs in the summer and snowmobiles in the winter. And those are groomed through the, by the snowmobile people, I believe, at least some of them are. And you have just a, a, a massive amount of area to snowmobile there. A lot of people, I'm sure, come up and do that. What about walking trails? Do you see a lot of hiking, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing? Oh, absolutely. Um, the season has already started, especially on the Lake Agnes Trail. And, and as you got, you have enough snow there already, or are they just hiking? about six inches right now so we think in the upper elevations they're cross-country skiing and snowshoeing but in our lower elevations it's okay to just hike okay now um i want to talk about the ice fishing the, the main draw for the ice fishing up there is north michigan reservoir now you have a lot of summer fishing up there you have a number of different lakes of course you have other lakes you can hike into ice fish up there too and you have the rivers, but is North Michigan the main ice fishing lake? Is that where most people ice fish when they come up there? Absolutely. And that's also where we hold our ice fishing clinic in February. That's a pretty neat deal. In February, you have your ice fishing clinic, and you actually have uh, loaner gear for people that want to come up and learn ice fishing, right, in February? We do. So we provide all the gear. You're more than welcome to bring your own if you have it. And then we'll have the rangers out there to help, and it just—it's a fun day of ice fishing. And 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 ice fishing right now is probably almost ready to kick off. I was up there a week ago, or a little over a week ago. No, it was a week ago. It was Saturday, and I checked out the ice on North Michigan Reservoir. About a third of the lake was wide open. The area up by the dam had spotty ice. 
um, but it was setting up. And then the area back at the other end of the lake was actually frozen pretty solid. There were actually a couple ice anglers out there. I don't know how thick it was. I don't know. You know, there's no such thing as safe ice, but they were out there. Um, Do you have any update on the ice conditions, what it's looking like? Well, it's currently getting colder, so I'm expecting the lake to freeze over within the next two weeks or so. Um, Hopefully the ice will get thicker and thicker and we'll be good to go soon. Yeah, I I think I think you're going to find people probably venturing out this week, but we always if you do go out anywhere this early, be extremely cautious because moving water and springs and things can make it uh can make it a little difficult. Last thing, people who do come up for other activities other than fishing, I believe you do have rental gear for them too, is that right? That's right. We have snowshoes that we can rent out to the whole family and we have GPS units if you're into geocaching. We also have fishing gear. And I think you have a thing called a family pack, too. I don't know what's all involved in that, but do you still do that? We do. So it just provides a backpack to go hiking with and a couple guides if you see wildlife or birds and some binoculars and things like that. All right. Alina, it's just a, one of my favorite areas in the, in the whole state. Thank you so much for joining us and filling us in on all the winter activities up there. And don't forget, folks, Christmas trees, December 5th and 12th. Just get up to the visitor center. You can cut up the five trees. Thank you, Alina. Thank you. You bet. That's Alina Schaefer from State Forest State Park. When we get, after this break, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're really going to update you on ice fishing and open water conditions. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. The Eagles on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. And we are going to go right to the phones because our next guest is always full of updated information. We want to get it out there to you. Uh, welcome, Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning. Good, good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, great for coming on. We're at this kind of shoulder season where ice fishing has kind of started, but it hasn't really taken off yet. And people are antsy. They want to get out. But we want them to be safe, but we want them to catch fish because, as you well know, early ice can be one of the best times to be out ice fishing. Uh, fishing in general, what are you hearing out there, my friend? So you're definitely correct in the fact that ice fishing is, is one of the best things to be doing in the early season. Um, the fishing can be fantastic. And there are certain lakes that are beginning to become safe out there. So the big thing to kind of remember right now is that, that you're looking for a lake that's generally going to be a little bit shallower. So places like Lake John, the Delaney Butte, Santero, Terriol are all some of the, uh, the lakes that are going to freeze first. And we're currently seeing some lakes out there that are having a little bit of safe ice. So places like Lake John are in that neighborhood of four inches of ice. There's areas of Antero that have four inches. Hearing that the north side is, is pretty pretty rough. Hearing that people have also been falling through already this year. I know of several people that have gone through at Antero this year. And then Terriol, the inlet side, is being generally safe. Well, as we've talked about before, there's no, no such thing as safe ice out there. But um, certainly utilizing caution has been uh, definitely the name of the game. And then places like the Snake River Inlet have been getting hit really hard, too. And um, another thing I kind of just want to mention on this is don't just assume that if there's people out there that it's safe. 
I've been selling product. A lot of people have been going out on uh, some ice that even has been less than two inches at the moment. So certainly exercising caution, bringing a spud bar to check your ice, uh, and then things like life jackets and ropes, all will help you to be more successful. But we certainly have been hearing that some of these lakes have been productive to start with this year, and people are catching fish. Um, yeah, one of the things we have, you and I and all the guys in the show, we have a saying, there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be very safe if you use common sense. And a few people are always going to push, push the envelope and using that spud bar, by the way, if you go to my YouTube channel and go to my North Michigan show, I take a spud bar out on the ice and show you how I advance and check the ice. It's so important to have a good, heavy spud bar with you uh, this time of the year. You, sometimes you don't even need an auger this time of the year. You can ch- chisel your hole with that spud bar in just a couple minutes. Uh, we did just hear a live update from Lake John. Uh, they're doing a live update on Facebook. They said three to five inches right now. So that's getting up there. You know, Lake John's one of those eventually you can actually drive your truck out on. Lake John towards the end of the summer, produced a lot of big fish. I would Definitely. anticipate that I would anticipate that carrying over to the ice fishing season. And they heavily stock it. There should be numbers. But I, I would think that's a place where you might be able to go and not only get numbers, but some really nice rainbows up there, don't you? I completely agree. But it is a lake that I approach a little bit differently due to how the forage base is different than some of these other lakes. So certainly there's great uh, populations of aquatic insects up there and crawfish, but yet the state has also placed uh, stickleback minnows in there as well. And those fish are very heavily feed on those minnows. So changing my approach from the small little jigs like a rat sinky or a rat so and adjusting more toward a gulp minnow of even larger size, like a two and a half inch, definitely uh, tends to be very effective. I like uh, a lot of those smelt-type colors, and then the watermelon pearls are very good. But placing that on a 16-ounce jig head and then running my smaller jig on my dead stick has been very effective for me in the past. And uh, Lake John's also a a lake where um, spooning, like with a small castmaster or Swedish pimple or a Northland spoon, can be very effective too. But if you don't have electronics and you're just spooning – because they'll come in up there, but then you have to almost change your cadence. And if you don't see them yeah. on your electronics, it's difficult to do that. So that's another time to have that dead stick right next to it so that if they come in, it won't hit you if you don't have electronics. So I've been really good with spoons. Um, I was up. We heard the report from uh, you were on. You heard the report from up at North Michigan. I was up there last week. I would think North Michigan's probably a week away from having ice that I would really venture out and check across the lake, but, you know, it might happen sooner. Red Feathers, the area, is supposed to be um, cold all week. I would think by next weekend that maybe some of the Red Feathers lakes. Have you heard anything from there? I have not heard anything from up in that particular area. I have heard of various other really high elevation lakes. Those are definitely the lakes that I would consider the most solid at the moment. So getting into that 10,000-foot elevation and plus range, those lakes become very inaccessible outside of potentially a snowmobile later in the year just due to snowdrifts. So it's a great time of year to, to go up and hit some of those for cutthroats or brook trout that you may have been fishing or fly fishing or spin fishing or whatever in the summertime. Uh, those can be very effective and, and very unpressured right now too. But in general, these larger bodies of water, although people are venturing out, Waiting a couple of more days, I think, would definitely be a wise decision, especially, as you mentioned, with some of that cold temperature that we're seeing, especially at night coming for the next week or so. You know, another thing I think when people 
first start fishing for trout. Now, we're fortunate here you can fish for, you know, once the front range freezes, you're going to be able to fish for crappies and perch and walleyes. But we have a lot of trout. That's going to be our early fishing. And I know we, we, have, we preach a lot of using your electronics. And when they get deeper, that's good. But I think a lot of people overlook the fact that trout cruise and early in the year, they they're, they tend to be very shallow. Sometimes they won't even show up on electronics because you're fishing in such shallow water. I'm a firm believer that doesn't mean you shouldn't try deeper and move around if you're not catching fish. But I'm a firm believer that most people, when they start early season ice fishing for trout, fish too deep. How do you feel about that? I completely agree. If you can find a lane where those fish are moving really shallow, you can catch fish after fish after fish. And as we've talked about before, some of the best numbers of the entire year start out when we're ice fishing. So getting up to that shallow range, and we're talking like even sometimes three to five feet of water, very, very shallow. And that area can be very good. And the thing about it is that the fish that are going to be there are exceptionally active. So if you aren't catching fish pretty quickly, that's going to give you kind of an indication to move around. But many times you can get fish immediately, especially in an early morning type setting, uh, right off the bat and very shallow uh, in the water column. And that's another time when, well, you know, another thing you can do then, a lot of times people will just throw a jacket over their head and actually look right down into the hole or if you have a shelter. And you can you can actually see the fish and, and and make your presentation, but that's another area where I tend to use a dual presentation because you're you can't see fish on your electronics. By the time they come in and hit, it's almost too late. So I'll have much something so. active. I'll have something active going on to draw them in, and then I'll have a little jig or something more passive that I'll work very little if at all, just within a couple feet of it. How do you approach those situations? Pretty much the exact same way, but one thing I tend to like to do a lot on my spoon, especially like a flutter spoon, is I'll take the hook off of it and put a little dropper piece of fluorocarbon within a small jig, say in a small tungsten jig or a rat finky, and hit that with a waxworm or a mealworm so I can sit there and actually work it pretty fast. And then a lot of times they'll eat that secondary jig. But as you mentioned, I'm always putting that, that uh, secondary dead stick rod right next to me and i will be utilizing either a a little slip bobber or a spring bobber on the end of that because a lot of times these trout will eat it pretty softly even though they're very active and uh willing to bite right now but that type of a setup is is critical and then as on as i'm setting my dead stick you always want to make sure that your jig is sitting on a horizontal level you want to have it have it sitting parallel to the bottom so it can't be a, a straight up and down type presentation so you have to make sure you have a tight knot not using a swivel and having that jig sitting perfectly flat in relation to the bottom, uh, I found that to be an absolute key, and it will produce a significant amount more bites uh, for someone out there on the ice. Have you seen anything uh, new in either presentations or fishing lines or anything that you're, you're going to want to give a try this ice fishing season? i tell you what, there's been some great new rods from St. Croix that we've been utilizing, and the thing about ice fishing is that you can get out there with some inexpensive stuff and still be very successful but some of these new uh, st croix are very sensitive and, and especially i'm looking forward to that for ice fishing when we're in deep water for some lake trout but those guys are definitely very good uh some of the new braided lines that are out there uh, the braided stuff's getting better and better and better and there's a variety of of products that are out there from companies like berkeley and suffix um, even flipping into some of your power pro type stuff. But I've been utilizing the Fireline a lot. Uh, that's been their new ice fishing formula there. And the braid used to not be very great on the ice because it would get a lot of uh, actual ice buildup on it. 
But adjusting and having some of this coated line has been very, very effective, and it gives you all the advantages of braid in the open water without icing. And then something else, kind of a little trick that I utilize from the fly fishing realm, is I'll take a product from Loon called Stanley's Ice Off Paste. And if you're struggling with ice on your line, putting a little bit of that paste on your guides and on the line itself will virtually eliminate that. And that's a great little tip if you are someone that doesn't have a shelter or likes to run and gun a lot and not uh, take the time to put up that shelter. We are out of time, my friend. If people want more information, where do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right. We will talk again soon. Thank you, Austin. Thank you so much, sir. You have a good one. You're, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You know, when you play Dire Straits, I got to sit and listen and tap my foot a little bit, no matter who's waiting on the phone. They just get your blood going. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from A&A Toppers is Darren Lindsay. Good morning, Darren. Terry, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. You know, every year about this time after Thanksgiving, we, we get some of our partners on to talk about Christmas gifts and sales and things for people because some people want to reward themselves, and there's usually a lot of good sales going on, and some people are just tough trying to figure out what to buy somebody for Christmas. And You've been one of our longest-running partners to this show and supporters. Gosh, it's well over a decade. And we always get you on to talk about maybe for the truck enthusiast and the family. So what's going on at A&A Toppers? Well, we made it through another year. Terry, as you know, it's been one of the toughest years that we can all remember. But, heck, getting outdoors and doing the hunting, the fishing, the camping, that maybe takes a little relief from the stresses of this darn 2020 Living outside is what why why we're here in Colorado. So, you know, driving a pickup truck and an SUV, but more like a pickup truck is why we live here. And getting out there and hunting and fishing is what it's all about. So hopefully we can help out all those people that want to go out there and do the fishing, do the hunting here in Colorado. So we've got a lot of specials going, and we can talk about that this morning. Sure. Let's go through a few. What do you got going on? Let's take take me through some of them. So we obviously, during this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, the Black Friday specials, we, uh, we've we got an extra $100 off all of our truck toppers from Lear and from Snugtop. So all of those manufacturers' rebates that you see online, a Toppers is offering an extra $100. That actually is a Black Friday that ends on Monday. But for all the callers of your show, Terry, the Fan Outdoors, we're going to extend that through the entire year. So the rest of the year, if you uh, heard it on the Fan Outdoors, we're going to take the Black Friday special. It's going to extend through the rest of the year just for the callers of Fan Outdoors. All right. It's So callers who say they heard it on the show, they could get that $100 off through the end of December. Yep, through the rest of, uh, through the, rest of the year. Wow. That's pretty good. You're usually well, not that generous. No, I know. It's, I, you know, it, 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 it's been a rough year. It's been a rough year. No, I'm just kidding. You guys, you guys really take care of people. You know, one of the reasons I love having you as a sponsor is the way you and uh, Greg and everybody at your outfits, plus your outdoor people, plus you support the outdoor community. Your your involvement with all, so many of the featured guests on this show, not to mention with the affinity groups like Pheasants Forever and Ducks Unlimited and things, is 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 very admirable, and we appreciate that. What else you got going on? Yeah, so we, you know, Greg. 
Greg texted me a sec ago, and he wants to make sure that, you know, gift, gift certificates are a part of what we want to do. If, if you can't make it down and you're not really sure who that outdoorsman is that you want to get a gift for, we uh, we definitely offer some gift certificates that people can come on in and maybe get something for somebody that they don't really know who they're going to give it to yet. Um, but, yeah, you're right, Terry. This partnership you and I have had for a long, long time. I remember when we first met, oh, heck, 14, 15 years ago. It's, uh, it's why we live here in Colorado is to enjoy the outdoors, go fishing. So anything that we can do to help those callers of yours, we'll, we'll be happy to do. So, um, you know, we got, we, you know, for that pickup truck, you know, we have the WeatherTech liners, um, Lear toppers, snug top, anything we can do to help you, we'll, we'll help you. You know, and, and you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money. I mean, you've got a lot of accessories starting at lower end, all the way up to obviously the toppers and the big racks. But you've got things. Uh, tell me about some of the smaller things you guys have at the store. Somebody wants to avoid the mall, but maybe they just want to, you know, spend 20 $30. Bucks. What do you have? Well, $20, $30, yeah. We definitely have, like, there's a couple of LED lights that we have, like smaller flashlights. Um Shoot on the smaller side. I don't know. That we have anything on the smaller side, Terry. What are you thinking? Well, I know you, you guys used to have a lot of like cup holder accessories and little things, but but you, and you don't have. I guess I'm getting to the point. You don't have to spend like two thousand dollars. You could come in and get a gift certificate if you're not sure what you want. But you have all kinds of racks. Like I was looking for um, something to help pull my kayaks. Now that's not twenty dollars. That's probably like fifteen hundred. But a trailer hitch extension. You've got things to go on the trailer hitches. You got decoratives. You've got lots of little stuff, and you can avoid the malls when you stop by the A and A Topper stores. Yeah, I mean, being a small business—that's the biggest thing that's going on right now. Is going to those bigger stores are fine, but you know, shopping small and going to the small stores—that's maybe what we're all about in this uh, in this 2020. You know, we definitely have that. Maybe one thing is. You know the window tint and the clear bra. I mean, protecting that, protecting that front end on on window tint and clear bra is something else we do. We do have the cup holders. The WeatherTech cup phone is another small one that we got. Um, yeah, there's a there's 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 some stuff. Come see us, and we'll be happy to take care of you. Now, the last thing I got to ask you. I know you're a shotgunner. Have you been out pheasant or waterfall hunting yet in Colorado? I know you went to the Dakotas. I uh, I have shot some ducks in Colorado, and we up, went up to Nebraska with the Chris Polk family. So yeah, haven't haven't been able to get out there in Colorado yet. But yeah, no, I've uh, I, I I've been out shooting a few birds here and there, Terry. Yeah, I know that's one of your passions. So don't don't plan on seeing Darren when you go to the store, even though he comes on and talks to us, because he's usually out in the field with a shotgun. So, well, how did you know that? I'm actually up in Copper Mountain right now with my cousin. So how did you know that, Terry? <laughs> no, I know that. But you've always been a great supporter, you and Greg both. And, you know, the toppers, the lines you guys carry, The I mean, you have racks for almost – what lines of racks? You have like two lines of racks, I think, don't you? Yeah, no, there's 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 three racks that we can get. And, and ski season's here. I think Copper Mountain opens on Monday, so remember that ski season, you know, not – not that we're about the hunting and fishing crew, but we, we carry a lot of other stuff. We have Yakima, Thule, and then Rhino Rack. Rhino Rack's a company that we support a lot as well. So, yeah, racks are out there. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, this time of year, this is the this is the hunting time of year. Fishing is uh, finishing off. Can't wait for ice season. I heard Austin on there just a second ago. 
Uh, we just want to be able to take care of all of us. You know, this has been a rough, rough year. Make sure you come down and see us at A&A Toppers. Mention the show, and we'll make sure that we uh, we take care of you. Well, the other thing, too, is if you have a truck enthusiast in your family, everybody likes to personalize their truck. You can put a step on it. You can put a chrome gas cap on it. You can put a grill guard on it. All those things people like to personalize. I have you guys always put the vent shields on my vehicles. You can crack the window without getting weather coming in, and they really enhance the look. So you guys just have so much. I mean, don't think of it as just a topper on Tonneau Cop plate. Top place. Come in and take a look, Darren. We got to run. Tell people where they find you. Yeah, you bet. We're at www.aatoppers.com. We have two stores: fifty-four twenty-five South Broadway and sixty-nine fifty-five West Colfax. Just get us on aatoppers.com, and can't wait to meet all those hunting and fishing friends out there that are friends of the uh, fan outdoors. All right, thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Enjoy your time. You bet. See you, Terry. All right. You bet. Darren Lindsay from A&A Toppers. You know, we, we try to get our partners on to feature some of what they do. Uh, first of all, I personally deal with all these people that are partners of the show. I go into their facilities. I use their resources. And we, we know that they're good people. But second of all, they're outdoor enthusiasts. And when you walk in, they're going to help you. You know, Christmas shopping can be stressful. Maybe you got a truck enthusiast, hunting enthusiast. They're the kind of people that can help you out with a gift, big or small. So, you know, good alternative shopping. We'll help you out with other partners up during the holiday season. We'll take a quick time out. We come back. Nate Zelinski will join us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.